Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Back to Basics. I am still Pastor Don. I know you can't believe it, but it's true. And joining me is Courtney. So today we've got uh, a bit of an interesting one to, to tear into. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 24, the marriage of Isaac and Rebecca. Now, for all of you Bible stands that are just deep into your knowledge of all the nuances and details and trivia of the Bible, you may know that this particular chapter is, let's count them, 67 verses long. I'm not going to let you just skip over the phrase Bible stands. <laughs> We're going to unpack that sometime because I think you found oh, yes. a new label for people uh, who, who bring the vibe of that music video to mind in, in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I don't uh, want to be labeled the Bible stand. Let, let's move forward. <laughs> so, in any case, we're going to be turning through this one, but friends, I got to tell you, this one is going to take a minute and a half to get through. Uh, it's not especially complicated outside of like social, political, and cultural context stuff. Uh, the, the narrative itself is not that complex, but because of sheer length, it's entirely possible that this may wind up being a two-part episode in and of itself. I say that now because, as longtime viewers of the podcast know, uh, we don't know when we start whether it's going to be a one or two part. Sometimes it is. Sometimes we get kind of carried away. We're kind of thinking this is going to be a two-parter just to you know prepare yeah. your just out of sheer butts. But <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that nobody wants to sit here and listen to me rattle through 67 verses in a row, we're going to change up our format a little bit and. We've kind of decided on a secondary format that we're going to use for especially long passages. Uh, normally, we'll break them up. We're trying it out. We don't have yeah, to come we're, in. We're going to try it out. We're going to try it out. See if it works. And if it doesn't work, then oh well. Um, we might lose uh, like what ten percent of our viewership. That'd be what half a person. Oh <laughs> man! I know. We'll get there. We'll get there. I promise. <laughs> so, in any case. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to use um, a technique that may or may not be known to some of you more uh, avid Christian friends out there. Uh, it's a technique called a safe word. Um, <laughs> you wanted to do Yeah. So basically what we're going to do is I'm going to start reading from verse one. And at any point, Courtney has the option to call out our safe word, which our safe word that we've agreed upon is what? Pineapple. Pineapple. So anytime she screams out the word pineapple, I'm going to stop. And then we're going to discuss. You're making this sound way more exciting than it's going to be. I it's know. We're going to talk about it as we go. Exactly. But hey, you got to get the viewers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's working, dude. Yeah. <laughs> People were always wondering how to make the Bible sexy. Apparently this was it. Um, so this is what we're going to do. Yeah, You guys signed on for this. We're 30 some episodes in. If you don't know what we're about, then. I don't know why you're here. Um, so, but the Christmas episode was so cute and quirky. What's wrong with these people? Everything, sweetie. What did you send me? Yeah, we're gonna get some of that. We're gonna get letters. Set people's parents. All right, let's go. All right. So <laughs> basically, we're gonna tear through it, starting from a verse uh, one, and she's gonna just safe word me every time she sees something she wants to tear into a little bit. And that doesn't work well for here because most of the issues here are going to be interpretive or social or cultural or context specific, uh, or just like, what is this bullcrap sort of stuff? Now, 
a little bit of a spoiler warning. Our buddy Abraham may be gone, but the days of rampant sexual abuse and insanity in the Bible are not. So there will be more, I promise you, to keep you interested. Yay. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Let's cheer for rampant sexual abuse in ancient Israel. That's, yeah, that's whatever. Three cheers for human nature. Sounds like a an emo album that never was. Yeah, right? Anyway. <laughs> put some money into that one. You know, I write, I write sins, not sermons. I don't know. Just read the Bible. Uh, you'd be surprised how often I hear that. Let's get started. Genesis chapter 24, starting from verse 1, the marriage of Isaac and Rebekah. Now Abraham was old, advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his house, who had charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth. Pineapple. <laughs> that didn't take long, did it? Put your hand. I was I was starting to pre-read this. I should just viewer note. I don't usually read the the passage beforehand, at least not immediately beforehand. Mm. <laughs> like I've I've read the entire Bible before, but um, put your hand under my thigh. Jumped out at me before. Yep, and I was prepared for this one, and I brought out one of my older commentaries. Um, I'm assuming it's... And I'm going to read this one. I'm going to read this this explanation direct from the Interpreter's Bible, which is one of the older commentaries I have. And this one is, to give an idea, this is an older one. This is... How old is this one? Got a copyright in here somewhere. Uh, 1939. Oh, wait, no, 1929. No, hang on. 1952 is for this one. So, you know, right from the golden age of American biblical scholarship, right? Um, yeah, we'll all pause and let that comment sink in. <laughs> anyway, this one is actually pretty spot on when you sort through all the crazy gendered and sometimes occasionally racist stuff that's in it. Sort through the the... the it was a product of its time stuff. And this commentary is actually not half bad, um, particularly when it just sticks to, to core archaeology. So I'm going to put read their explanation for verse two right here. It says, put your hand under my thigh. A reference to an oath by the genital organs, emblems of the life-giving power of deity through this, though this ancient significance of this act had doubtless been forgotten by the time of the writer. Basically, it was, okay, we're going to take an oath and you're going to swear by my dick. Um, which was not weird at the time, I promise. I swear on a sack of nuts. Now, it's so much weirder than I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was just some sort of gesture where it's like, oh, you know, you had to kneel down in front of somebody and be in like trapped physical contact with them to make this oath or whatever. And it just some, or just some ancient cultural thing that's been lost to time. Nope. It's about put your hand upon your my dick and you dip, I dip, we dip. Now, <laughs> without unpacking that a minute, um, I, I, I want to point out, though, that I actually am kind of cool with this in a weird way. What, um, on a sack of nuts? Well, you know, like I would kind of degender it a little bit, but there is a sort of normalization of the divinity of sexuality that's inherent in what they're doing here that we have not adapted into our modern puritanical religions. The source of this this type of oath keeping was because you're swearing on 
kind of the genitals as a source of reproduction. They're they're holy. They're a source of life through which the divine enters the world. Like they're they're the entire source source of life, and they're a key source of pleasure in our lives as well. Yeah, like they're like that's some something about the way God designed us that people have gotten weird about over time. Yeah, like I mean, they're kind of a big deal. Some of us bigger than others, but still a very big deal. No, that's all right. I heard that. I heard that. But no, seriously, like this is one of the more ancient practices. Um, by the time this had been written uh, down, it was likely that that had been kind of lost to time, which is why they're like kind of put it on my thigh. And biblical translators, since have never really known what to do with that, because sort of attaching an, an amendment to the Bible that says, oh, by the way, here's this entire cultural practice. There's really no way to translate that in a way that makes even the vaguest of sense. Um, so that's a thing. Um, yay, dicks, I guess. I go on. No. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, cover here. All right. So he said, put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not get a wife from my son, from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live, but will go to my country and to my kindred and get a wife for my son, Isaac. Really? No pineapple there? Okay, moving on. No, I mean, it It kind of fits with what everything that we've learned so far. Yeah. From the story, which basically is like, you know, now we we gotta we gotta stick with ours, you know. We're we're not gonna go live over there, even though it's safe. And God oh. said it was safe. We're not gonna. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I see. It, 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 this is difficult because I feel like I'm I'm passing judgment on like people who founded a nation and an entire culture of people historically horrifically oppressed people. And so I don't want to be just like, you know, dem Jews or whatever, you know, I don't want it to come off like that, but it's just like, we've got this history at this point in this story, looking at this as a narrative and as a mythos and as a religious basis, it's, we just keep seeing it over and over where it's like, no, 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 I don't want to really get too involved with those people. Like, yeah, there's a lot of that coming from and maybe maybe that's something that was everywhere at the time maybe it was a matter of yeah because racism and tribalism has totally disappeared since then yeah well that, that's what i'm saying maybe you know we don't we're only seeing the story as it follows abraham the, the history or the story or right. the mythology whatever you want to call it as it follows abraham we we don't necessarily know if you know in context this is kind of just how it be yeah, I mean, there's certain things that they make a point of being like, he's not born yet, but Jesus Christ, why would you do this? Mm-hmm. Um, like some of the shit that went on with Sarah, but yeah, like you get enough glimpses of like socio-political stuff here where you think maybe that's possible that it was just like that. See, this is why I can't keep pineappling at you every every two seconds because I've got I. I this is how I got through school. I can bullshit about anything forever. And my brain will just keep turning in ADD hamster wheel mode. And this just doesn't stop moving. Which is why I've always said you should become a pastor in your own right. I mean, come on. That's basically the professional version of that. No, no, <laughs> nobody needs that. <laughs> so 
then let's go ahead and unpineapple. If, if you have an answer for that, mm-hmm. instead of me just babbling, please. No, it's in. pretty much just ancient racism. Like God is conducting the the tribe of Abraham in a very particular way here. Um, should he have done that? Like, it's unclear as to whether this is Abraham's decision or God's decision at this point. God will later lay down the law that you shall not take your wives from X, Y, and Z. Like, that will come up later um, as a commandment from God. And so we'll discuss it more as we get there, why that might be the case. But for now, it's unclear if this is just Abraham's, like, screwed him Canaanites or if this is a God thing. Um, so let's I'll go ahead and keep rolling here because hey, we're gonna have some yeah. fun stuff for you to pick at here in just a minute. Yeah, we've we've been at it for a hot minute and yeah. we are on to verse four. So let's keep moving. Yeah, <laughs> this, this new technique's going great for us. Um <clears throat> so you will not get a son, a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live, but will go to my country and to my kindred and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him. Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, see to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my birth, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand. Pineapple, where is where is this intensity about this coming from? Because like we talked about it for a minute earlier, but man, it's like very intensely like, no, he doesn't leave and he doesn't marry the people who live here. You go get somebody from the people I approve of and bring her back here. And that's the only option. <laughs> yeah. Let's consider what sons were to particularly to nomads in that place and time. They were the holy grail, basically, for your your mini civilization. I mean, they're they're basically like settlers in the first ten turns of Civ. Like, you, if you're playing civil, Sid Meier's Civilization, for those of you who don't know the lingo, um, like, and that state of the game, you need this in order to progress. You need this in order to found and to grow and to mature. And without it, you may not be able to have to produce another one before people wipe you out. Like. Your son is your community. Like this, this particularly in patrilinear societies like this, uh, yeah, the son was the most valuable thing that you had as the head of the household. So it makes total sense that despite the fact that he did just try to stab this guy to death not too long ago, that Abraham would be generally protective of, of Isaac in that way, particularly when it comes to sending him back to abraham's home country because remember abraham just friggin split from his home country right like he left the home of his father struck off got a whole new land a whole new god pretty much and kind of founded this whole monotheism thing uh there may be and again it's not revealed to us in this scripture there may be an underlying conflict between abraham and his father or his parents or his previous tribe that may involve them being interested in stealing back the son of abraham um in order to redirect that like that would also because that would be a son of their line too correct 
Um, so there are multiple potential problems. That all makes so much more sense now. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things that could go wrong if Abraham just kind of lets his son go free like that. Uh, and unfortunately, he can't just say, oh, yeah, this is totally my sister and that'll work. Um, can't do that with Isaac. Sorry. Um, so he's much more protective of Isaac in that way. Keep him close. Keep him secret. Keep him safe. Uh, you go get a wife and bring her back here over the shoulder if necessary. Um which, again, speaks to Abraham's renowned and historical respect for women. And the general flavor of the time. You know, it is what it is. Um, shall we continue? Sure. So the servant put his hand under the quote-unquote thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all kinds of choice gifts from his master. And he set out and went to Aram Naharaim, to the city of Nahor. He made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water. It was towards the evening, the time when women go out to draw water. <laughs> I'm assuming that the cocked gun sound effect is a pineapple? Uh, no, no, I was just acknowledging like, ah, you know where to go to pick up women when you're trying to find a, a spouse for your your tribe's heir. <laughs> well, let's be honest. Um, you know, we 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 uh, you and I have been long since married, but we we vaguely remember what it was like to date in this world, like set up shop by the well and look for chicks is pretty much exactly how it works today. <laughs> Figure out where the drinks are at and wait your turn. <laughs> I can just picture picture him sliding down off a camel to uh <laughs> just sort of sidle on up and be like so you come here often because <laughs> if so i got a guy back at my camp you know a couple dozen miles away who might be up for it the it's servant is the happened. ultimate wingman <laughs> isaac ain't even there he's rolling yeah. up to other towns and being like so you doing at the well so without an official pineapple, let's continue on. Hmm. Um, so he slips down off his camel and he said, Oh Lord God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. I am standing here by the spring of water and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please offer your jar that I may drink and all who shall say, drink and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this, I shall know that you have shown steadfast love for my master. Before he had finished speaking, there was Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcha, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, coming out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very fair to look upon, a virgin whom no man had known. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me sip a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether or not the lord had made his journey successful. So, okay, pineapple. Yeah. He's, he's still... <laughs> following. The continuing saga of not listening to God. Right. 
um he's like give me this very specific sign that i am dictating to you and then i'll know and and not even done saying it and god does exactly that for him like okay here you go and he's and then he's like i gotta i gotta stare at her for a while to figure out if i've got this right right i mean the the guy's game resonates with me i'll be honest you start off by praying oh god i don't know what these women are thinking just here's here's a list of specific signs i'm going to look for make one of them do that and then i'll know for sure and then when it happens you just stare at them like what that that's a game I feel, man. I get that. Um, I am. I I do want to say, like, that was again. I keep looking at this as like a narrative in a way. Um, that was that part was really well written. It painted a picture to me. Yeah. Like it can't, painted a specific picture without actually telling you anything about what she looked like or whatever. It just sort of paints the movements and stuff. Painted a neat picture. Yeah, and this is. To, to step out of scripture and into just basic literary stuff for a minute, this is where I personally like it when they shift from descriptive to choreographical writing. Because they're not describing so much the appearance of people, they're describing the motion of people through space and time. Yeah. And that shift is really helpful for when you're trying to convey an emotion because you're allowing the reader to kind of paint their idealized version of the person. And instead, you're focusing on how that person moves through the scene. So you've invited the the reader to participate in the process in a way that they wouldn't otherwise. Like if you're doing everything for them by giving a complete description, then, you know, sure, we're going to just receive passively. But now the readers become a little more participant. You're paid like you have an image in your head of what Rebecca looks like. And it's going to be totally different from mine because, of course, she's not actually described here other than she's young. During the... She's young, she's pretty, she got a water jug, and she definitely has never had sex. Um, like that, well, that's all he, you he mentioned, like bringing it down on her hands so that, like, you can picture the movements. And right. I'm like, I'm, I'm ac- pretty accurately, I think, picturing movements from stuff I've never seen before. <laughs> so, like, exactly. that's pretty cool. And this is, I, I, I love to say, this is one of the reasons why the Bible does endure so well is that it moves to choreographical writing when it needs to to make its narrative point. Like, it's a small literary technique, but God almighty, is it a useful one? Um, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, If you're trying to get an idea across, there's there's no reason you can't do it in a way that is also, like, you know, you want to watch, you want to listen to, you want to pay attention to. It can be enjoyable and true true at the same time. (laughs) Right. Yeah, all that's good. Um, So anyway, so literary criticisms aside... Um, I do appreciate the fact that this guy is just like both with respect to women and respect to God, utterly fucking oblivious. Like he he like gave God specific signs that he was going to look for, got those signs, and then just like stared at her like a creep. Like and you, you want to talk about God's involvement in the story. Spoiler alert, in the end, it works. Like, that he can do all of this and still come away with a wife for Isaac. Like, it's pretty impressive. Okay, I'm starting to read ahead, so we need to we need to. Yeah, move so let's, let's unpineapple and keep rolling for another minute. Yeah. 
So the man gazed at her like a creep in order to learn whether the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcha, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of straw and fodder and a place to stay the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the way to the house of my master's kin. I'm going to pineapple myself here for a minute. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and I want to go ahead and just throw out for the fact that, like, the servant does get there in the end. Like, it's worth acknowledging that he does finally yield and say, thank you, God, you've taken me to where I need to be. Like Immediately, too. Yeah. Like, he gets where he's going, ties up his camels, and immediately meets Rebecca. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he, he goes there, God provides... And he stops and he does something that, like, look, I, I grew up in a house that had extremely strong evangelical leanings, although thank God they leaned away from that in later years. Um, and so I did the same thing that a lot of us do, which is, you know, you go into a difficult situation, like, dear God, please help me through the situation. I'll do anything. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, dear, please, God, help. And then you go through the situation and you win. You're like, hey, that's great. I did awesome. And then completely forget the next part. Like, it's worth noting that the guy stopped for a minute and said, Okay, God, thanks. You definitely did the thing. Like, it's a step we all too often forget. And I think it's worth recognizing it when we see it. Um, anyway, let's see if we can squeeze in one more chunk here before we we pause. Oh, for, yeah. Yeah, I think we the, can do that. The the end of our of our first and that'll get here. us to about the midway point then, too. Yeah, just about. So moving on from verse 28. The young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. He'll come back and be important later. And Laban ran out to the man to the spring. As soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, and when he heard the words of his sister Rebecca, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man, and there he was, standing by the camels at the spring. He said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside when I have prepared the house and a place for the camels? So the man came into the house, and Laban unloaded the camels and gave him straw fodder for the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told my errand. He said, speak on. Perfect cliffhanger for us to end on. So any last things you want to pick at from this passage? Um, No, I'm just sort of eager to move forward because, yeah, the narrative style has just seemingly suddenly changed the improved seems rude but not inaccurate yeah like <laughs> right? i'm like this is so much more compelling of a narrative right the story hasn't been interesting it's just yeah. written and this is something that, that's easier to consume and this is something that's worth returning to we mentioned this way back in the first couple of episodes the bible even individual books like genesis have multiple writers like, this is not a single person writing down the story of Genesis. There are multiple writers, J.P., a couple others, um, all identified by their styles, but not necessarily by their names, because obviously we don't know who the hell wrote them down. Um, but there are different writers with different styles. The stylistic shift from Abraham and Sarah to Abraham, Isaac, and then Isaac and Rebecca is indicative of different authorship. Like, we have 
these stories were told differently by different people as oral histories for centuries, and then were laid down by different people in writing and then translated differently. And compiled into Genesis. Genesis is an omnibus, or presumably is an omnibus, in much the same way that the Bible itself is an omnibus. There were different stories that were collated, compiled, and to make a single book. And now it's one book of the larger omnibus, which makes you wonder what the Bible is going to be a part of in another couple thousand years. But hey, um, suffice it to say, it's no surprise that the style has changed here. And so much for the better. Like, I like how this writer writes. It's much more engaging. Um, Which, of course, raises the question, why do we spend less time with Isaac and Rebecca as a biblical story than we do with, like, Abraham? Like, most of us know the basic ins and outs of Abraham's story from Sunday school. Like we've all heard about Abraham and Sarah and the the childbirth and the sacrifice of Isaac and all that. We don't spend a lot of time with Isaac and Rebecca, but it's a much more engaging story as the way it's written. Kind of funny that. I'm looking forward to continuing it. So how about we pick it back up in part two? Yeah, I think this is a good place to pause for the end of part one. Uh, As usual, I would like to cordially invite you to do the thing that Courtney is now going to request. Like, share, and subscribe. Yes, and also uh, please feel free to leave comments, presumably, uh, as long as those comments aren't like homophobic or insane. We've had a little rash of that lately. Um, But we are always welcome for you to participate in the conversation here on YouTube, or more importantly, to join us on our Discord server, which is where most of the conversations actually happening. Uh, It's been a little quiet over Christmas because I got to be honest with you, running multiple Christmas services has exhausted the crap out of me and I have been busy, but we are going to be picking back up into the new year with new stuff. We're currently rearranging our Dungeons and Dragons group for relaunch. We got a weekly Bible study that's going on. We got stuff happening. So feel free to pop in and join us on Discord, comment on our stuff. And for the love of all that is bright and beautiful and the Lord Almighty in the highest heaven, please share these videos. Um, bit much (laughs) what can i say i'm extra i'm a passer comes with a job (laughs) anyway uh... in any case have a great week we'll see you on the very next episode of back to basics in a whole five minutes or a week if you're actually watching these bye everybody later Thank you.